Welcome back to the Anxious Millennial Podcast. I am your one and only host, Alexandra. Starting off today's episode, I'd love to throw something out to you listeners. And I want to ask you, have you ever had a pivotal conversation with someone you've just met and you leave with so much, but you did not anticipate that happening? Well, that is precisely what happened when I had my very first chat with my guest on today's show, Talia Dabda, a coach at heart, straightforward, and an absolutely hilarious human. Talia wastes no time. Her pragmatic and direct approach will have you rethinking much of your day to day in order to really go after what you want. She dives in full stop. And trust me, she gave me a thing or two to take a deep dive in, in my own life. In our conversation, she's open about what the last year and few months have served her. She talks about how she pivoted her career and, of course, with an artistic touch along the way. Talia, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. Of course. I think we all need to know, want to know, what is your word for 2021 and why? My word is growth. Ah, yes. Because I have done so much growing myself in the last year. And it's something that I just advocate among everybody that I talk to and work with. So I just think it's incredibly important. Of course, we're always changing. We're always in a process of evolution and growth. But, you know, there's intentional growth, too, when you really want to make a change and transform for the better. So that's my word. So this transformation, number one, was it intentional? And number two, was there a catalyst or a pivotal moment that led you to it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that naturally we all grow from our experiences and we learn. But I do think, like I said, there is a certain amount of intentional growth that comes with actively deciding to try to progress, to learn from experiences, to develop as a person, to adapt your ways, to learn more about yourself by increasing self-awareness. And as such, I've actually decided to grow because this is, I'm sort of the perfect guest here, but I suffered from anxiety my whole life. And I speak in the past tense pretty proudly now, because although it still afflicts me sometimes, I got to a point, you know, in 2020, around when the pandemic struck the world, where my anxiety had become fairly unbearable for me, it was disrupting my daily functioning and my happiness. So I had to decide to take a step towards growth and to really incorporate strategies in my life that would help me move through this, this weight on my chest that was just chronic. So yeah, I had to choose to grow past that and and to work through it. The word chronic came up and it strikes me because anxiety is reoccurring. So mm-hmm. offline, when you we, we spoke for the first time, I thought it was impressive that you said like, I feel like I worked past it. And you use the past tense now when you mm-hmm. refer to anxiety. Walk me through, like, how do you feel at the other end of that? What, mm-hmm. how do you feel? I would love to be in that place. I just <laughs> can't help but think anxiety is so solidly woven into my identity that I can't, I can't possibly fathom what it's like to be on the other end. 
Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm also a work in progress, right? Nobody just achieves this point of, oh, that's it. I'm done growing and I've fixed all my problems and right. I mean, things will always come up. Um, but what I would say is that I started to incorporate tools in my life that were daily and they helped to buffer me against what was a pretty pervasive anxiety. So for example, I used to wake up and quite frequently have, again, that feeling of kind of pressure in my chest or difficulty breathing or you know, if there was some kind of anticipatory text or event or something that I felt was outside of my control, it felt fairly debilitating to me. And again, I, I could still consider myself fairly lucky because I never had crippling social anxiety or anything. And so actually a lot of people were always very surprised that I even had anxiety because I seem confident and comfortable in situations and I'm extroverted at my core. However, when situations would arise in which I felt I didn't have very much control, for example, waiting for a client to respond to me when it came to some kind of cancellation or something, I would feel almost ill. Like it was difficult for me to carry on doing anything else because I was consumed with worried thoughts. So when I started to incorporate meditation into my life every single day, along with regular exercise, which I was already doing, um, but also gratitude journaling and other tools that I was using, I started to notice after maybe a month or two, I mean, realistically, it doesn't happen right away, but I started to notice that the episodes of anxiety or that feeling of breathlessness or kind of quote unquote drowning were starting to become fewer and further between. And I was realizing that as things would come up that normally would have really triggered me and set off, you know, a chain reaction. We're not disturbing me as much, first of all. And second of all, I was better able to ground myself and start to center myself and tune into my breathing and notice what was happening as it was happening and feeling that I could recognize these, these thoughts and emotions as they would arise gave me a better sense of being able to kind of be there for myself and self-soothe. And the the moments of anxiety, let's call it like a dark cloud, it would just pass faster. Mm, the self-soothing is a big one. So it's not to say that things don't come up that still make me anxious, of course. But I feel better equipped now to deal with that feeling because a lot of times, I'm sure you can agree, that when the feeling of anxiety comes up, it can almost create more anxiety because it's, oh my God, it's happening, right? <laughs> it's like that compounded feeling. Totally. So, yeah, just being able to kind of manage that and being like, okay, I know this is coming up. I'm feeling it a little bit right now. I'm going to breathe through it. I'm going to recognize it. I'm going to investigate. And then, yeah, it'll pass. It's fine. Right. It, and then that just that attitude just kind of alleviates it much quicker. I love the analogy of the dark cloud because that's yeah. literally how it feels. And we'll touch again on this later because there's a self care piece that I want to touch on with you. But because during our first conversation, I just remembered something as you were talking, something came up that you are, you are regimented enough to be able to incorporate these things. And it goes back to intentionality, right? You incorporated the journaling, you incorporated the meditation, the exercise. Those were things you, sh you showed up for. And I think the, the fact that you were regimented enough to implement those things probably helped because someone who was less... I don't want to say less regimented or less disciplined and has less will, but it, it does come down to that will power to be able to incorporate those items in your day to day. So fellow coach in the vein of betterment, 
and will and goals, what Talia made you want to become a coach? Um, well, what made me want to be a coach was really, you know, I've, I've had a tutoring company for about a decade now and I've been tutoring for longer. And, you know, in the years that I was helping kids achieve in school and, you know, succeed, I was finding that what I enjoyed most about working with them was really starting to connect at a deeper level and understand where their mental blocks laid and how we could kind of unlock that and, and increase confidence, right? Because a lot of the time it wasn't so much about lack of skill as it was lack of confidence and feelings of insecurity or exam panic, right? A lot of the time my students would be super well prepared and then they panic on an exam, right? And that comes down to, you know, something psychological, mental, emotional, whatever, right? It's, uh, it's anxiety a lot of the time. So I found that what I really would enjoy was kind of finding ways to get through to them that would allow them to remain calm in various stressful situations and also start to really set their goals in fairly realistic ways where we're not going to go from a 48 to a 90 in one shot, but again, kind of create a path towards betterment and achieving goals that would also include that psychological and emotional conditioning that would keep them calm and allow this path to go forward. So Hmm. after doing this for so many years, to be honest, I just felt like I needed a little bit of a change. I, I wanted to be challenged. I had been doing the same math problems for a long time. And as much as I love working with teenagers and I still do, I started to feel called to help adults as well. And people had said to me, you know, I think you'd be a pretty good life coach naturally. Like you tend to want to help people. You want them, you know, I'll, I'll, people will have conversations with me over the years and I'll, they'll talk to me about their business ideas and things like that. Or, and I just, I just feel this, this inclination towards helping them figure it out and getting them there. And this was, you know, this was not for my own gain other than I guess the satisfaction of helping somebody. Um, but yeah, so I guess at a certain point I just decided to, to jump in with both feet and become certified and learn more about the process and how to do it professionally and, uh, and start helping adults too and expand my horizons. Do you feel it was as much a personal journey, the, the, the program and working through the training as it was to be able to serve your clients? Cause I, I felt that way through the program. I felt transformation happening for myself too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because this came, all this overlapped, right? So in the beginning of 2020, again, from, for personal reasons, I had started feeling quite anxious regularly and, you know, with the pandemic and I was going through a breakup and all kinds of personal things, I got to a point where, like I said, I wanted to pursue this path to professional coaching and become certified. And during this process, like you said, I got to connect with other coaches. I was being coached, right? And I was learning so much about myself as I was going. It wasn't just about, like you said, it's not just about helping others, but in helping others, I was helping myself, but also being coached allowed me to start to think a little bit more about things I hadn't really before and become a little bit clearer on my, um, again, blocks or goals or whatever it may be that I maybe hadn't been addressing before. So I really feel that all this was happening at the same time. This is when I started meditating and journaling regularly. And again, all the, all the things that I had been doing to better myself was happening in tandem with 
the coaching program. So I definitely was growing myself. Like I was really feeling the benefits for sure. By the way, I just need to say how happy I am that we are both ICF, International Coaching Federation yeah. certified, because there's something to be said about standardization in the realm of coaching. The industry itself is highly unregulated. So by the way, this is, I'm not paid for by the ICF, <laughs> but Hey, you know, at me, <laughs> but I just have to say, I'm really proud that we abide by a governing board and ethics. And to me, that stands for something. And I'm just so happy yeah. we're in the same boat, you know? Yeah. I think it's important to have a certain amount of credibility and a governing board in place to ensure that people abide by an ethics code and uh, some kind of standard or quality of service. Right. And so for me, it was, it's kind of funny again, because I had been a tutor for so many years and there's no real certification process to becoming a professional tutor, right? A lot of the time people assume you're a teacher, but I actually wasn't a teacher. I had a business degree. So I kind of had to explain to people that despite not having an education degree, I was more than qualified through experience and knowledge to be a tutor. And, you know, through word of mouth and my reputation being built over the years, I mean, it wasn't really questioned anymore at all. But in beginning a new venture in a new domain, I said to myself, you know what, I think I have a certain inherent ability in coaching, but I definitely want to have some kind of substantiated credibility behind me and accreditation, right? So yeah, I'm super glad that I that I went through that step. And I, I hope to pursue further certification as I go. I love hearing that. So offline, you know, we talked about that moment where you pivoted and things started to fall into place for you again, out of all the intentional decisions you were making from yourself. Um, so, and I know you also dove into art as I'm clearly looking at this tile wall of your own art behind you, which is gorgeous, by the way. Thank you. Um, you'll see it on social. I'll post some pictures, but how would you say creativity has also played a role in that pivot as well? Oh my God. Creativity is vastly undervalued, I believe. I think that it is so important for unlocking our potential. Again, this was something that happened simultaneously with my coaching. In fact, while I was doing my coaching program, the teacher, I guess you would call her the teacher, she she had given me some kind of homework when she coached me. She did a laser coaching session throughout our, our class and she had given me this homework to, to draw something. Actually, she told me to draw the face of anxiety, what an anxious mask looks like for me. Mm. And I remember being so anxious, even having had this assignment, because I was like, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean to draw the mask? <laughs> like, am I drawing the mask of what I look like when I'm hiding my anxiety? What the anxiety looks like? Like, I was overthinking like crazy. And uh, because I was being held accountable, of course, right? like the, the essence of coaching, I couldn't, you know, let her down or let myself down. So I, you know, I went to whatever store, picked up some supplies and I just decided to dive in. I was like, okay, whatever. I'm going to just draw this thing. And I ended up creating this sort of two faced woman. Like one was like a regular face, let's say one side and the other side, it's actually quite morbid now that <laughs> was sort of like <laughs> that Mexican fiesta style, like Fiesta de los Muertos, like um, skull, oh. but cool skull vibe. That's if gorgeous. That any sense. Yeah, it was. Anyway, it was pretty cool, I guess. And tell me you still have it. Yeah, I do. I do. Okay. Somewhere. 
And, uh, and so I made it and I showed the class quite hesitantly because I had not painted or drawn in years, in literally years. Like in 2011 and 14, I think I had produced a bunch of paintings. And then for years, I basically didn't do anything. I was very blocked again, due to my perfectionism, because I was such a perfectionist that I feared the feeling of inadequacy while I'd be making art. So while I'm painting or whatever, not liking the way it looks because it's not finished yet, that fear of the process of feeling like it's not good enough, I'm not good enough, whatever. And so I quite literally avoided that whole thing because I was afraid of my own judgment and criticism. And I don't even know. I mean, I really owe that teacher a lot because even just having been sort of a little bit forced into making this drawing again, it just kind of unlocked this creative box inside of me. I started doodling while we'd have our coaching sessions and it wasn't because I wasn't listening. It was just, if if anything, it was allowing me to listen more because I could tune in and focus and sort of quiet my own internal chatter, right? The, The monkey mind. And I found that I just had this kind of creative burst. And it was, again, it was happening simultaneously with the relief of my, the slow release of my anxiety. So I started the program in February. And then by May, I started churning out like a bunch of paintings. And I found that being in this flow state was very meditative. It had a meditative quality of calm and that absorption in what I was doing and that full attention and sort of trance. And that was something that really helped. It was like giving my brain a massage. It allowed me to relax and to unleash this creativity that had been brewing inside of me for years that I almost like I wouldn't allow out because of my own, again, anxiety. And ironically, it's it helps with anxiety, so <laughs> counterproductive there. And honestly, ever since in the last year, I've, I, I started doing watercolor, which I had never done before either. That's what you see behind you and these squiggly drawings up here. Gorgeous. Uh, I mean, yeah, I just, I don't know. It just unlocked this whole thing in me. And I just find that it makes me a better person. I feel so much happier and more fulfilled when I'm producing and creating something. And it's something I strongly recommended that you don't have to be a painter, right? Somebody could be writing or drawing or I mean, scrapbooking or whatever creation appeals to them. I really believe it's one of the core blocks to feeling genuine happiness in your life that comes from an internal place, not from anything around you. Mm, So many things to unpack. Okay. So first of all, thank you so much for bringing up flow state. I don't think we're talking enough about flow state in this society, in this world, because it is, I think everybody has to be running after flow state. It is an immersive state of mind where time is zipping by and you're in a task that you enjoy. Like if there's no better place to be mentally and spiritually, I don't know what is. I'm constantly running after flow state and I find it in the rarest moments. So that's first of all. Second of all, I don't know how art got all tangled up in results and achievement. I mean, flow state has to be motivation enough to create art. But for some reason, people got afraid of judgment because it's a piece of them. You're lucky where your your pieces are beautiful, but I'm I'm sorry. That doesn't have to matter for the art to be rewarding. In fact, you're so lucky that you even make a commission on some of your pieces. So that's that's a rarity. 
But that cannot and does not have to be the end game with creating art. Yeah. And I mean, actually, just, and this isn't a, a plug of any kind, I just want to say that speaking to that point of commission, right, is it just goes to show that I made art for years and sometimes people would see it and not have a reaction of whatever, right? It's subjective. And that's why it's so important because it's subjective. Right. But sometimes people would see it and say, wow, this is really good. You could sell this. Have you ever thought about that? And I, I just didn't have the confidence. I really didn't think that I was good enough to be able to sell. And so it was something that I was just making for myself. I was doing it for myself, whatever. Um, but I did have a goal kind of secretly to eventually sell my art one day. It was something that I really wanted deep down, but that I didn't feel adequate again. I didn't feel good enough to get to that level. But so I appreciate you saying that I am, you know, quote unquote, good enough. But again, art is such an amazing thing because it's so subjective, right? So I never thought that I could do watercolor. I would see watercolor and I'd be like, I don't even know like what they're doing, how this is, because I was some, I was very into realistic type type of painting because, because I could cross check (laughs) my progress, right? Like with what I was the result or whatever. But I kind of thought to myself, you know, I'm never, I'm not even going to touch watercolor. It's too hard. I can't do it. Right. I had this, all these blocks around it. And then eventually in December, my, my brother's girlfriend is an artist and she, she's amazing. She's amazing with acrylic and oil and watercolor and everything. And we decided to just do like a, a painting day one day. And it ended up, again, it's, it's really about that essence of trusting the process and doing it just for fun. But again, not knowing what the result may be, because somebody might think that they're not a very good writer, but they enjoy doing it, but they might not be the right judge of how good it really is. Right. Because we tend to be our biggest, our own biggest critics. Right. So what's behind me in the end is actually watercolor. And I discovered that I loved it probably more than even acrylic acrylic painting. But had I not even tried, I would just never have known. And then because I took the chance to post it on Instagram, which I, again, I used to be so shy about that. And I'm not a shy person, but I, I, I was afraid of being judged or posting. I ended up actually getting several commissions. And now I'm trying abstract. And again, abstract always scared me because it was abstract. Right? It's so subjective. And I can't, I can't compare it to something and go, Oh yeah. Okay. Well, it looks perfect. Right. So it scared me, but I, I took that leap into, or rather outside of my comfort zone and again, posted it and then ended up getting a commission. So it's like, I've surprised myself by the process, but I really do believe that this could be applied to so many people if they even took the chance. And again, it's not necessarily about commissions or selling for money, but just allowing yourself to open up that space for creating without believing that you're going to know what the result will be and that it won't be good enough. If that makes, again, if that makes any sense. Yes, it does. Trust me. You're staring at someone with an immense amount of self-doubt, but you're absolutely right. You have to open up space Mm -hmm. to allow for something that was not there, but something else came up a profession while you were speaking. And that is stand-up comedy. Mm -hmm. And I I say this because you, you make me laugh. You're genuinely like a hilarious person. And I, I I thought of stand-up comedians who are, and I'm, I'm talking like top level, like even the Robin Williams of this world who were suffering, right? Mm-hmm. But they were hilarious and they were likely really harsh yeah. judges Ooh. on themselves, on their 
material, perfecting their material? Would they get the immediate laugh, which is Mm -hmm. like the feedback is quick with a comedian, right? Like they're delivering and they're expecting to receive back right away. And if they don't, and even worse, if they're getting heckled, but I just thought of that, right? I mean, people are geniuses, but they just can't see it. Isn't that Mm -hmm. wild? Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, I think that actually there's probably a pretty high correlation between creativity and talent and psychological and emotional pain too, right? Mm-hmm. Is, is that a lot of the time people who suffer and have that darkness inside of them actually have this beautiful gift to share with the world. Um, whether they explore that gift or not is a different story. And again, it's not always just about getting that immediate feedback or that laugh or that payment, but rather about stepping out of the comfort zone and allowing the opportunity to even try. And so Mm. many people will say, I can't draw. And then they'll do one of these painting workshops or something, or I'll just kind of say to them, we're going to just, just do a doodle for fun. Like just, I just want to see, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll kind of try to motivate people or whatever to do that. And then I'll be very impressed and surprised and go, wait a second, you have a talent here, you know, and really, you know, (laughs) so yeah, I don't know. I just, I, and I think that, I think that being creative just again, it, it's, it's not isolated. So when you're creative in one domain of your life, what it does is I feel it sparks your creativity across the board in your brain. So then suddenly when you're working, you know, for your job or business or whatever it is that you're doing, I feel that it, it ignites other ideas inside of you. Of course. You know? Of course it does. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. It feeds, but it's, it's, it's also, I always thought it was like a muscle. You have to really mm-hmm. tend to it. You have to use it or unfortunately you lose it because you know, they're, they're creative juice. They're called creative juices for a reason, mm-hmm. right? They have mm-hmm. to be stimulated. You have to, it's a well, you mm-hmm. have to fill up that well. I had a, an episode mm-hmm. with a creativity expert. She's coming up a lot. Um, Alexandra Luce, she was a couple of episodes back and, um, you know, she talked about refilling that well. It's like a well of water. If you just keep taking from it, mm-hmm. you, you yeah. have to, you know, you're going to empty the well, you have to replenish. And whether that's done through, you know, the way you do it, which is art and you focus in on something and you just kind of let it flow outside of you or through experience going back out in the world now that we can, hopefully, you know, and some people did it through travel for many years and that fed them with culture. Yeah. So, so I find it interesting to hear you say that. I love how this forayed into creativity, by the way. Yeah. A little natural segue in there, but I, I think it is so important and I, and I, it's something that I, would like to talk about more with clients. And I, I, I really do believe that every single person has some untapped or possibly tapped, but some kind of well of creativity, like you were just talking about. I think you don't Agreed. have to be a professional artist, but there's, there's something that somebody could even be cooking, right? Like people, Oh, cooking's huge. People create, right. And we're, we're meant to create. And I really do think that we're our happiest when we do create in some fashion. I'm going to throw you a curveball because again, I want to touch on the fact that you really do make me laugh because you're extremely funny. Who or what makes you belly laugh? Larry David. <sighs> Larry David is my spirit animal. Like <laughs> I cannot watch Curb Your Enthusiasm without shedding a tear. It <laughs> is so funny. I'm trying not to swear, but he really makes me laugh because I, I feel him. 
on such a deep neurotic level (laughs) that, yeah, I mean, I just wish I could spend the entire day with him and just get into trouble and get kicked out of every single party and just piss people off because I don't even care. It's just, it's so entertaining. It's yeah. He definitely makes me laugh the most. Do you watch Curb? I love Curb. And the second I found out that it was improv, I think my level of respect skyrocketed. Like that stuff is not easy. I'm sorry. I took an improv class years ago and I thought, oh, here's an opportunity for me to be funny. No, that stuff's hard. Yeah. Improv is so funny though. I don't know if you remember the show Whose Line Is It Anyway? It was from years ago. Oh, hilarious. That show still resonates. Like it was, I was young, but it was so funny. I love that stuff. And again, the creative genius of people to just be able to come up with the stuff on the spot. I mean, is beyond me. And I didn't know the cur- I knew that there would there was definitely an improvisation aspect in Kerman. You can tell the way they laugh too. Like you can see that it's like they catch each other off guard with stuff, you know, with their shtick. Oh, that's the beauty. But I didn't know. I I'm not sure if there was like a kind of a bare bones. Um, there's got to be some kind of theme or something to it. But yeah, I think that they pretty much flesh out everything just in the moment. <laughs> almost seamlessly and yes that level of talent is otherworldly otherworldly i'm so jealous (laughs) but in the vein again of positivity and optimism i want to know talia what you are most looking forward to in the future oh my god i'm just i'm really excited about building my my coaching practice and and workshops it it really fills me up like this is my flow state i feel like i'm using my tutoring skills right that that ability to convey a message in a clear way and to have people incorporate concepts in their lives but on topics that i love like you know stress management and i'm doing a workshop tomorrow on um releasing unnecessary thoughts and emotions and you know i'll be doing on imposter syndrome all these different things and And these are topics that I just, I get excited about. So to research them and put together these presentations and to have people join. And I mean, eventually I want to, you know, expand my website and have members areas and all kinds of stuff. You know, I'm just excited about being able to move forward and grow. Yeah. It's, it's something that I get really jazzed about. (laughs) I want to join one of these workshops. They sound fun. I want in. I'm having one tomorrow. You're right. I will send you the link. Yes, <laughs> I'd, love to, I'd love to have you. Awesome. Coaches supporting coaches. Okay. Talia, tell me where can everybody go find you, follow you? Um, where can they find me? Pretty much everywhere. No, um, but on Instagram, my handle is at Talia Joie. So T-H-A-L-I-A-J-O-I-E. And my website is joie, again, J-O-I-E coaching.ca or .com. It'll take you to the same place. Um, and yeah, I'm on Facebook too. It's, it's just at joiecoaching.ca. So pretty much there and on your podcast. <laughs> and yeah. Awesome. Thank you, my dear. Thank you for being a guest on my show today. You were fantastic. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me again. It's so fun. A thanks to Talia for reminding us that you could enjoy yourself when you're transforming in any capacity. I hope that subtle reminder, not just to, you know, feed those creative juices, but also step outside of your comfort zone. And you know what? Have fun. Have fun. Things have been so heavy and serious lately. Enjoy yourself. By the way, go Habs go. (laughs) My fellow Montrealers and non-Montrealers actually are going to are going to hear that loud and proud. So I hope I didn't jinx anything by saying that. 
Thank you so much, listeners. I'm so grateful to you as per usual. Have a fantastic week. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will talk to you soon. Bye.